Hello there, my name is Pete, this is Social Distancer. So, uh, Bronson Johnson, Sausage Sausage Johnson, soon he'll be a chipolata. Said he's going to lose weight. Um, so, you know, it's nice, isn't it? He gave an interview to mark a year as PM. Uh, to Laura Kunzberg and Laura Kunzberg did a really good job I think I'm going to play little snippets it's everywhere so I'm not going to play you know much of it but little snippets of the interview and it's making headlines because for the first time he's acknowledged that um, you know that, that, he, that he could have done better or mistakes were made or at least you know it didn't go as smoothly as it could have done um, which I suppose is, you know, something. Uh, but at the same time, as we'll kind of look into it, you can see that there are kind of, like, well, obviously, kind of spinning a message. So let's try and work out what that message is. Um, what have you got wrong so that you get it right next time? I think, Laura, when you look back at this crisis, everybody can see that this was something that was uh, new, that we didn't understand in the way that uh, we would have liked in the first few weeks and months. And I think probably, you know, the, the, the single thing that we, we didn't see at the beginning was the extent to which it was being transmitted asymptomatically uh, from, from person to person. Right, so that's a key thing there. This is his defence, and he's mentioned this a couple of times in the last few weeks, but this is his defence. Of course, he doesn't mention, um, you know, getting rid of the Cabinet Committee that looks at, like, the Threat Committee that looks at threats in the future. Of course, he doesn't mention 10 years of austerity, fucking up any sense of preparation for... Uh, any kind of pandemic coming around the corner. Of course, he doesn't mention that time and time again, the kind of normal process means that occasionally government talks about what's co what's coming around the corner. Are there any, like, you know, pandemics or whatever that might be coming around the corner? Those kind of things were bumped off the agenda because Brexit was everything. So, of course, he doesn't talk about that. He doesn't even talk about the mistakes uh, that happened in testing, which are clearly, you know, it's not a political opinion that mistakes happened in testing. It's just like so many people involved in the fucking testing are saying that early on, PHE kind of fucked up by doing what they did. And they dropped um, the community track and trace because of the lack of testing. I mean, we all know this. So he's not saying that. He's saying we didn't understand the lengths to which asymptomatic um, transmission happened between people to people, which of course is something that you can't actually ever pin down who got it asymptomatically and who didn't get it asymptomatically. We do know that the 65,000 plus excess deaths, and we do know that 45,000 of them had a test, okay? So, but we don't know exactly who got it from who? Now, we also kind of know that massive amounts of those people that got a test did get it from somebody who had the symptoms, you know? But so it's amazing that he's... The thing that he's uh, gearing up to... This is his... What he's doing here is he's testing 
the public reaction to this defence. And he's seeing, is there like a kind of way that we can blame the very incredibly difficult thing to pin down uh, element of a virus kind of, you know, being spread, that it, the uh, feature of this virus is that it can be spread asymptomatically. Well, if we say that we didn't understand that that's, that was a feature, even though, of course, the Lancet were talking about it in January, you know, and Sage were talking about it, I don't know when it was, but, you know, basically before the peak, you know, so even on that basis, you can't quite say, oh, we didn't really know anything about it. But you can say, well, of course, as science progresses and, and, you know, the kind of world looks into the virus, that obviously they kind of learn more and more, the studies are done and all the rest of it, you know. And so this is his defence. And it uh, remains to be seen, like, whether the fucking public swallow it. So anyway, let's hear a little bit more. Uh that wasn't clear uh, to, to us or, or to anybody. Uh, but I am, I, I have to tell you, and there will be plenty of time, by the way, to, to look back at all the other things that we need to, to learn and, and, and there will be an occasion to do that. But I am, I am very proud of many of the things that uh, people in our public services did, that members of the public did to deal with coronavirus, and, whether and it's and building the nightingales and... Right, that's great. So, Laura, who, who I think comes under a lot of um, flack, and I think a you know big proportion of the bullshit she gets is just sexist crap, you know. Uh, but she's doing a good job here. Like it's difficult to get a word in edgeways with this fucking sausage, you know. And she's like sees that you know he's said what he's going to say. He says, oh, there's plenty of time to look back. But I'm very proud of the people in the NHS and everyone that's worked hard. And after she lets him say that, she kind of gets right in there, okay? So let's see now what happens. Or, or, or making sure that we protected and many the NHS, were achieved, finding the first really usable preparations and so on. And many things were achieved, but what you're saying today now is that the response was too slow because the disease wasn't understood. I think it's fair to say that uh, there are things that we need to, to learn about uh, how we handled it in the in the early stages. And I, I mentioned one thing in particular. But I think what people really want to focus on now is what are we doing to prepare for the next phase? But, Prime, but Prime Minister, people also want to know what happened, though. But Prime Minister, you're talking about this as though it's in the past, But Laura, people want to know what happened, because hindsight isn't just a wonderful thing, it's also just a useful sure. thing. And people want to know what happened. 45,000 people died who've tested positive. What do you think the mistakes were? Surely it's right to acknowledge them in order yes, that they don't happen again. Of course, and, you know, I... Uh, so just to point out, it's really good that she said 45,000 people died of the people that were tested, you know, because it's it's important that journalists, I mean, obviously Laura Kunzberg, but all other journalists, make it really clear when they're talking about the numbers that they are responsible with, you know, reporting the right numbers and, you know, accrediting the right, you know, accreditation to the fucking numbers, right? Where's well, back to the sausage? We, you know, we mourn every one of the uh, of those who lost their lives, and and yes, fuck off and get on with it. Uh, our, our thoughts are very much with their with their families, and and, 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 were, and I take full responsibility for everything that government did. But you say we didn't understand the disease quickly enough at the beginning. 
quite understandable, but did you take it seriously enough at the start? So on the 3rd, 5th, 7th, 9th of March, you were shaking hands in public when already the government's advice was advising people not to do that. Did you personally take it seriously enough? Well, that, I mean, that's... That's not what the government's advice was at the, at the time, but let's be absolutely clear. Well, it was on the 3rd of uh, March, Sage said the government should advise against greetings such as shaking hands. Well, that was not the advice that was given to ministers at the time. But, you know, it's true that uh, there, were some, there, were, there were differences of opinion and there were plenty of people uh, who were not aware in the early stages that it was being transmitted asymptomatically, as I said. And there will be plenty of, of opportunities it's extraordinary. I mean, you know, he's just been uh, like, you know, what, kudos to Laura Kunzberg. She doesn't get fucking much of it. But there she is. She's it's, it's saying the dates. These are the dates where you shook the fucking hands. Right. And he says, oh, well, it's not, it wasn't government uh, advice. And she then reads the sage notes on the on the date. And he just like, you know. Anyway, it's really frustrating watching this prick. To learn the lessons of what happened. But the best way to honour uh, those who, who lost their lives, the victims uh, and, their, and their families, is now, because you keep talking about this as though it's in the past, Laura, and as though we must now have a you know, look back. Actually, we need to make sure that we're prepared for the future. And isn't that and, precisely and, and, why and it is right is why, to be that honest is why about what we're happened. getting on We're getting on with our work of preparing for what I'm afraid could well be a, a resurgence but, in the but winter months. But Prime Minister, isn't that precisely why now is the time to be honest about what went wrong? Yes. So that people can be confident that it won't happen the next time. I yes. mean, do you regret now that lockdown happened when it did. Many people believe it might have been too late. You've admitted we didn't think, know how I much think, the disease had I already again, transmitted. Again, Laura, you're trying to sort of, uh, if I may say so, you're trying to, to, to run a kind of uh, inquiry into uh, what happened Minister, in, I'm not trying in, to run in the an past. Inquiry. When, when I'm actually, trying to get you when to actually, acknowledge when actually, what when might I have think, gone wrong. I think when you listen to the to the scientists, the questions that you have just asked are actually very open questions as far as they are concerned. And there will be a time, uh, obviously, to consider all those issues. But I think what the public want to, us to focus on now is what are we doing? We, the public's done an incredible job. Uh, in, you know, they have helped to get working. So just to say, get on there, like he's, he's, he's going on to safer ground, talking about how fucking great the public are. But you know, it's kudos to Kunzberg not letting go of this point of, I mean, the only difference I would have said if I was in her shoes, and of course you never know, because of, obviously it's intimidating talking to the prime minister, even if it is a fucking sausage, you know. But I would have just said, I'm not looking at the past. I'm saying, get your fucking act together with the past, and then the future's gonna be a bit better, yeah? And of course she says it in a bit more diplomatic way, but the beauty, the beauty of her saying, Now's the time to be honest, implying clearly that he hasn't been honest so far, you know, and of course we all know the truth of that, you know. And it's very interesting that he kind of like jumps the shark a little bit, saying just, I mean, it's fair enough, these questions. They're not, you know, particularly charged questions, really, you know. They're just saying, okay, like, you know, you've come out of this thing, like, to a certain extent. Obviously, we know it's going to get worse in the winter. But now, you know, now is the time to think what happened, what went wrong. I mean, it's not that fucking... Do you know what I mean? It's not explosive. 
uh, as a question, but he jumps the shark in his response. He says that you're trying to run an inquiry. And very coolly and calmly, she says, no, I'm not. I'm just asking you what went wrong. Together, tackling the, the, the disease, using the social distancing measures, following advice, collectively, this country has done an incredible thing to get the disease down to the levels it's at. But we all know that it can come back. And we can see what's happening in other countries. That I, I won't name them, but you can see the resurgence that's happening. We know that we're vulnerable to that. So that's why we're getting on now with our preparations for the winter. A, a massive, uh, very important, Laura, a massive flu vaccination program. But Prime uh, Minister, stockpiling PPE, but Prime Minister, making sure that exactly we ramp up test say. and trace, and making sure that people get tested if they have symptoms. And it is, of course, very important to be prepared for the next wave, but surely the best way to be prepared is for people to be confident that the government will act quickly enough the next time. I mean, wasn't there a pattern that developed over time? You said you didn't need to ban public gatherings, and then you did. No. The government said we didn't need to wear face masks, and now we do. You didn't pursue community testing, and now you say that's vital. Isn't this a story of delay no. that sadly oh, cost actually, lives? No, no. If you look at excellent, that's really, really excellent um, questioning by Kunzberg there. Isn't this a story of delay? That sadly cost lives and went over the things. I mean, you you know, you could add a few more, but it's really good that she went over those things. And it's really interesting, the flu thing. I, I mean, just to kind of highlight that, they've announced today 30 million uh, people uh, can get the flu, which is a massive, uh, you know, basically like, you know, just under half the population, probably about 40% of the population, yeah? So that's a really big deal, and and I'm on the flu list. And you know, if you can get the fucking flu jab, get the flu jab, because obviously you never know how the flu is going to develop. It probably is something that you don't need to go to hospital for, but you need to avoid hospitals like always, you know. But definitely this fucking winter. So it is. It's what the Labour Party is called for. And it's really good that the government is doing this, you know. Uh, also, it's interesting in terms of the Labour Party, Kunzberg is saying it's about confidence, and that's exactly what Starmer was saying the other day. It's all about confidence, this. I mean, it's fucking obvious, you know. Like, if you trust your leader, and if then you're going to be more kind of inclined to follow the rules, the more you follow the rules, which are pretty fucking simple, social distancing and wear a mask, you know, and all the rest of it, you know, wash your fucking hands, you know, they're pretty simple rules. The more you follow that, the numbers of death drop down, you know, significantly, relatively quickly. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's not fucking, it's been proven time and time and time and time again, you know, when the loose, when the rules become loose, it's because People think, oh, well, he can fucking do it, so why can't I? Oh, I'll just pick my fucking nose and rub my fucking, you know, face with my mask and wipe my fucking ass on someone else's picture. Is that one of them? Yeah. So why can't I? The timing of every single uh, piece of advice that we got from uh, our advisors, from uh, from Sage, uh, you will find that whenever they said that we needed to take a particular step, actually, uh, we stuck well, maybe to that your advice. So this is really interesting because he's saying that we stuck to that advice like glue, but we've just heard, like literally a couple of minutes before, um, Laura said, 
Okay, you've been shaking hands, but Sage said, don't shake hands. So why are you fucking shaking hands? And he said, oh, well, uh, uh, just trying to get out of it. Well, we didn't get the advice then. But now, like, a couple of minutes later, we stuck to the advice like glue. Well, you can't have it both ways. And now listen to this. Very interesting. Like glue. And, well, Laura, you know, maybe uh, there were things we could have done differently. As I've... So I'm just going to go back 10 seconds so we get the old um, Laura's question. Said, but I think what people, and, and of course... We stuck well, maybe to that your scientists were wrong. Like glue. And, well, Laura, you know, maybe uh, there were things we could have done differently, as I've said. But I think what people, and, and of course there will be time to. Un- so there we go. That's an, also another part of his defense. It's the blame game. Here's the blame game. Um, Laura says, well, maybe the scientist was wrong. Very good uh, question. And undoubtedly, they were fucking wrong. You know what I mean? Like in loads of ways, they were wrong. But the government, like, he's just said, oh, yeah, I put my hands up to every death. And then he says, oh, yeah, maybe. So, you know, this is part of his defence as well. It's the blame game. Shift the blame onto other people. First of all, shift the blame onto the one, like, amazingly mysterious, unknowable part of the fucking virus, the asymptomatic transmission. Oh, yeah, that's the reason why everyone died. It's the asymptomatic transmission, which can never be proven whether people died. But, I mean, of course, we know that that's obviously bollocks, you know, to a certain extent. And the ne- next thing is we stuck like glue. We took it all the advice. Oh, yeah, the moment we got it, we fucking did it. And then apart from, of course, all of the times we've seen, you know, Hattie Mancock going into the House of Commons and fucking putting his arm around his pal. Like, what the fuck? understand uh, what exactly we, we could have done but uh, or, or done differently but what i think the public want us to do now is to focus on getting the preparations ready for what as i say could be a resurgence of the of the virus this winter and i've talked about the flu vaccination program the the, the pp making sure that test and trace is ready and but we're pre- also getting on with our work of preparing for the economic and we'll come to that in a second but in in that preparation if there is a second surge of this ghastly disease this time will the government actually protect care homes your health secretary claimed that a protective ring had been thrown around care homes you know that's not the case well we've done a huge amount as i've and i've mentioned the difficulty of uh, asymptomatic testing but actually thanks to the fantastic okay that's another like bit of bullshit there and well done again well done um laura for not taking any crap in this interview and being so you know kind of punchy and forthright excellent work um but also we know that people that they knew people who had covid19 who had been tested positive for covid19 were sent back into care homes you know so um, anyway, you get the gist. Fucking seven minutes in, she's still going for it. So well done, Laura. And you don't get much from old um, shit face. But, and of course, it isn't just like, oh, wasn't her amazing questioning kind of getting out stuff that he wasn't prepared to say. Obviously, we know that he's like lining up his defense for when he has to. But, you know, kind of answer, answer questions about this uh, to authorities even higher than Laura Kunzberg. But quite an interesting... Uh, insight that into the next uh, kind of stage of, of of this whether we're going to get anything like uh, 
you know, satisfying in terms of uh, a kind of actual authoritative look at the mistakes that were made. Of course, we're not going to get that. You know, obviously, we're not going to get that. Hopefully, they have learned their lesson to a certain degree. And they're thinking, well, we actually can't fuck up over the winter. You know, we can't fuck up as we did fuck up because, you know, we do actually want to be in power. Welcome to the daily beefing. Over the past 24 hours, the United States has recorded 787 deaths to COVID-19. The UK, 123. France, 10. Serbia, 10. Portugal, 7. Germany, 6. Italy, 5. Belgium, 4. Poland, 4, Spain, 3, Switzerland, 3, uh, sorry, 2, Denmark, 1, Finland, 1, and no deaths recorded today in Greece, Ireland, or Iceland. And looking at that 1, 2, 3 figure for the UK, all of them were in England. No deaths for Scotland, no deaths for Wales, no deaths for Northern Ireland, 123 deaths for England. Um, so, you know, England and Scotland are on different tracks with this. And about 10, 13 days ago, I think, we heard from Joanna who at that point was saying that uh, she thought about 90% of her customers into her bookshop in um, in Fife uh, wore masks or face coverings. And today is the first day that face coverings were in uh, enforced and kind of like, you know, became law that you had to wear them when you were in shops in England and I actually went into a couple of town centres uh, which is very rare for me but local towns around here and I saw quite a lot of people wearing face masks far far more than any other day um, but certainly not 90% of people but probably you know getting up there at least 70% if not more maybe 80% um, but, you know, these these figures, uh, England today, one, two, three deaths, and Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales, zero. It's not just the masks. It's a different strategy. They are looking, the other places, the other, the other countries and, you know, territories in the UK are looking for uh, elimination of COVID-19. And that's not part of Boris Johnson's strategy. He's never said that. And you can well, clearly see that he's not really interested in doing that, you know, which is bizarre. Um, but as a way of um, introducing the next person, the next voice that you're here, I'm going to say this is the end 
of the daily briefing. Beefing? Beefing. It's a great joke, that, isn't it? I love it. And I'm so happy to welcome uh, to the uh, kind of family of voices that you've heard, uh, Neil. Neil is, he is, well, I don't want to go on about him too much because it would just sound ridiculous. But, <laughs> but I'm not too sure if he's human, this guy. He, there's not many things that he can't do. And uh, it's and he lives in Edinburgh with his partner and his two and a half year olds. He talks about this in a minute. And um, it's a real pleasure to invite him on to a social distancer and to hear his thoughts. And you know, so anyway, I just can't fucking hype the guy. I, I love Neil so much. He is basically, you know, like well. Anyway, I fucking just listen to him. Right, here's Neil. <laughs> Hello, my name is Neil and I live in Edinburgh uh, with my partner and two and a half year old son, Otto. And Pete's asked me to give a few words about the general feel of how things are in Scotland at the moment. And I would say that generally people are quite glad to be north of the border be in Scotland and to have some distance from Boris Johnson and his leadership um, and the circumstances that are in England. And I'd say there's a lot of support for Nicola Sturgeon and for independence, at least the people that I speak to. Um, yeah, I, I, especially since his visit yesterday to Scotland, I think support is even stronger. But I wanted to talk about something else today and that's the effect of lockdown in a kind of social way on my son and the people we meet at the park. I've written something down otherwise I'd get a bit tongue-twied so I'm gonna read it out and I guess during the lockdown I was mostly hanging out with my son in our shared garden and we weren't allowed to go to the park, the library or the shops. He's two and a half years old and he might ask sometimes why we didn't go to the park anymore or why we didn't go to the library, but he really didn't seem to mind and he adapted quite quickly to the change in the rhythm of our lives. As things gradually opened up, we were allowed to go to the park, but not into the play park with all the slides and the swings. On one occasion we went there and there was a couple working out in the park doing chin-ups on the swings with their stretchy bang bands <laughs> stretchy bangs with their stretchy bands <laughs> and it was the perfect stage for their body conscious well-toned bodies but it was a bloody nightmare for all the parents trying to keep their kids from the play equipment with the play park closed it was actually quite nice that children of all ages were playing with the surrounding clumps of trees playing hide and seek climbing trees digging holes with sticks and finding a way to make their surrounding environment a play park even hanging a swing with a bit of rope that they found on a branch there was something about their play and their attention that was much more engaged with their surroundings and open to each other. Their kind of vision was wider, even if at that stage they were still having to keep their distance. When the play parks were opened again, some older children were hungry to play, running around the climbing frames full of enthusiasm, chasing, shouting, running. Now the children climbed on the climbing frame and the slides and the parents sat around looking on. 
But for the younger children, the toddlers, they were somehow afraid or very cautious to get involved in the play. They'd spent some months being told that they couldn't go near people, and now they didn't have to socially distance from other children who were also under 12. They didn't understand. Otto took a lot of care and support and climbing with him to let him know that it was okay to climb the stairs and go down the slide. And at first I thought that maybe this was just specific to him, but I noticed four or five other parents of toddlers having to show the same care and attention, allowing their children to feel safe around other children. I found this quite sad, and it made me wonder what kind of social effects that this virus will have on children who are at such a key stage of their personal, social and physiological development. I'm sure that in time, he and the others will overcome their fear, but it makes me wonder about how this virus will leave its mark on our society and communities, not only through illness and fatalities and the economy, but on our perception of how we see each other in the world. Now I notice that children only go to the play park. It is the focus of their attention. The trees get little attention. <laughs> of course, much has been gained through the children being allowed to play again, but I also wonder what has been lost. What useful things from this lockdown period might we hang on to? I certainly feel that I have more of a sense of community with my neighbours since lockdown, and this is something I'm going to try and keep. And that reminds me, for, thank you so much, Neil. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to see you. I don't know when that's going to be, but I can't wait to see you. And um, that reminds me of this amazing thing that happened a couple of days ago, whereby on our walks that are becoming kind of basically daily walks that my son and I do, we went up to uh, just like a kind of playing fields type situation in the town and um, it's very quiet around there and there was this uh, mum with uh, probably about I'd say maybe probably nearly two very close to two or maybe just on two this uh, her daughter um, so a kind of toddler toddling around um, so quite a bit younger than my son about a year and a half younger than my son I would say, um, or a bit, but maybe a bit more than a year and a half. And uh, it was really interesting because, you know, my son is an only child, and well, obviously with social distancing, you know, we're kind of meeting up with a couple of friends who have got children, but it's, you know, very rare, basically, like every day, you know, he doesn't really see many children, and when he does, it's always a bit kind of you know how are they going to be together and the family that we see the most the you know they're kind of a bit more kind of natural with each other you know and some very good friends of my son we've seen them uh, only once during lockdown in, in any kind of significant you know for any time kind of significant time and it was very very good but at that point we were kind of really strictly maintaining social distancing it's quite a while ago now um, so it's quite, you know, just it's fantastic. Neil absolutely got that thing, the kind of wariness that the children have, you know. And it was really, I totally saw that with my son and his interactions with this uh, this toddler, who I guess is about two. 
And um, it was really lovely kind of engagement that they had, you know, very soft and playful and gentle and really curious. Like he was really curious about her and he and she as well, you know, about my son. And they were kind of like chasing each other around, but in a very kind of um, gentle and cautious way. Um, yeah, so it was really interesting kind of watching them. And of course, the parents, like me and this woman, we were like looking at each other, kind of loving it, you know, and we were kind of talking about it a little bit, but not really, because we're British, but also we're social distancing, and we don't know, like never seen each other before, you know, we don't know each other. So yeah, the whole thing was, um, uh, you know, brought to my mind because of Neil's contribution. So thank you so much, Neil. And good luck up there, and you lucky fucker, basically, (laughs) being in bloody Edinburgh, you lucky old bastard. Thank you very much, I run to the shop, I bump into everyone, say have you heard, have you heard the news, there is a podcast called Social Distancer, share it, like it, tell your friends. Everything you want to hear about The greatest public health emergency In any of our lives Bought every day and it is free Fucking great than the swearing Okay, so I'm going to say goodbye. First of all, thank you so much to the listener in Argentina, or listeners in Argentina. It went bing! New country alert, new country, Argentina. So thanks very much, wherever you are in Argentina. I don't know where you are, actually, in Argentina, but somewhere in Argentina. Shall I say Argentina again? Yeah. Oh, quick, the person who's listening in New Zealand says, why don't you fucking said New Zealand for about nine seconds? Oh, New Zealand. Yeah. Right, anyway. Um, you take care. Right, no falafel, no palafel, no palaver tonight. We're just going to get on with it. I'm not going to talk about Lost, I'm not going to talk about any of this bullshit that I normally go on about. Right, what we're going to do is, three, you know the thing by now, okay? So in all of our multivariant dimensions, we're just going to have a moment of coming together. And I'll go one, two, three walk between the raindrops and well you know the score by now say it under your breath shout it out don't say it just think it fucking do whatever you like basically but i think that it is nice the idea of everybody in many you know different all the bloody continents apart from fucking antarctica christ almighty that was a letdown wasn't it yeah um coming together for a moment so here we go one two three Walk between the raindrops. Take care of yourselves. Have a lovely weekend. And, um, yeah. Lovely to hear from Scotland today. Be interesting to see what happens over the weekend. And, um, yeah. See you later. Take care.